We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Where would you rather be than right here, right now? The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. The Bills make me wanna... I see them making a big investment in the defensive side of the ball. Let's go linebacker here at pick number 19. Darren Lee from Ohio State. You think he's there at 19? I think there's a good chance that he's there. Because of the position, some organizations don't value linebacker as much as others. You want somebody that's versatile that can run and hit. He gives you that. Rex Ryan can be exotic at times in his blitzes. Well, you need versatile players to do that, and I think Darren Lee would be a good fit for this football team. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of the Rock Pile Report. I'm Drew Gears, season ticket holder, and that's Chris Kruger producing. And that was Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network talking about the Bills taking an undersized linebacker with the number 19 pick. What? <laughs> what an idiot! Oh, what a loser! Way to go, dickhead. Yeah, that's what we need. A small fucking linebacker. The, the second coming of uh, what's-his-fucking-face. Oh, I. Aaron Maben. No, who's that? Eric Flowers. No, back in the day, and he was Cornelius a for Bennett us for years. He Shane Conlon. If you say Shane Conlon, well, I'm rapping, ripping on somebody for making a Bryce pick. Pop. Oh, now you done it. You crossed the line with me. And then even that's a stupid pick, guys. I want to introduce my friend Doug Rolaski. He's here to talk football with us today. Football all day. <laughs> Doug is an old friend of mine. We, we've, uh, what, spent almost a decade drinking, fighting, you see me naked on the couch. I mean, it's it's been across, it's been everywhere. Multiple times with a pulled pork <clears throat> sandwich on your chest. <laughs> so, Doug, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, I mean, you have a long-standing history with the game of football. Well, grew up around the area. I went to uh, Lakeshore High School, played three years varsity football, three-year starter. Um, I played college football at ECC as a defensive tackle. And currently, I coach varsity football for Gowanda High School, Class C. Mm. Been there two years, <laughs> rocking it out. What's coaching kids playing football like? Well, nowadays, it's, it's tough because when you yell at these little pricks, they shut down and cry, which is it's kind of funny. It makes <laughs> me want to go back every single day. It's not like when we played. You know, you get no. yelled at, you puke. Ah, there's still color in your puke. Keep going. You know, 
You can't do that now with these kids. I mean, you see the way they've watered down coaching at the NFL level. I can only imagine it's worse at the peewee and high school levels because I I remember just playing, like, little loop football. And I just remember the way they used to ream on us. You can't do that now. Can't do it So you have to all. find other ways to motivate kids. Which I do. Now, Doug has been a diehard Bills fan for as long as he can remember. But, Doug, what is your favorite memory of being a Buffalo Bills fan? Well... I'm almost 30, and the best memory that I have is back on September 25th, 2011. We're down 21-0 at home to the Patriots. We come back, and we beat them by three with a Lindell field goal at the end of it. And Belichick's going nuts on the sidelines. <laughs> best day ever. I remember being in the stands for that game. I was and next just to you. watching him store out, storm out onto the field. And just losing my shit. Because I'm like, there it is. I've never seen Bill Belichick lose his composure before. And I'm getting to watch it happen. It's like seeing a solar eclipse. It's almost something that's... You, you, you'd you think it was impossible until you see it. I, I Every other night, <clears throat> I'd say a little prayer to Drayton Florence for that pick six. Drayton, Drayton Florence. Number 29, Drayton Florence. <laughs> oh. So we're going to kick off this week's podcast with... A Buffalo Bills news update. This just in. There's still no word on LaShawn McCoy's assault case. Shock. It's kind of funny. What seemed like such a slam dunk, according to the uh, Philadelphia PD department, it's actually harder to prosecute. You know, I don't know, considering you're talking about drunk cops fighting ex-athletes at the type of club... That doesn't record what's going on inside of it at 2 o'clock in the morning. Shady. Legit. <laughs> I can't imagine why the DA doesn't want to dive headfirst into prosecuting any of this. Well, as Bills fans, we need to uh, thank the off-duty Philadelphia police officers for not following protocol and calling that 911 on your phone. Thanks, guys. Yeah, if you guys thought you were assaulted... Here's, my guess is that they can't find any actual credible witnesses. You know, drunk on Super Bowl Sunday at 2 a.m. They can't find any credible witnesses. And you've got the fact that here's a bunch of cops. This is what they enforce the law for a living. Yet you get the shit kicked out of you at 2 o'clock in the morning. And you never once think to call the police. You, 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 you wait until about 7 or 8 a.m. when you've sobered up. You've had some coffee, you've changed your clothes and showered so you don't smell like booze, and then you call the police. This guy had a skull fracture. Your skull is fractured, and you're too, you didn't immediately call the police? Not until he was shaving in the morning, be like, oh, uh, that hurts. Oh, yeah, and it's bleeding. Yeah, I, I just, I don't buy this whole innocence of the PD thing. And like I said from the very beginning of this, I think that this thing is just such a mess. I think the DA is going to hesitate to press any kind of charges. They should. They don't want to make themselves look bad, and we need him on the field. Another news, and a surprise move, Carl Dunbar, D-line coach for the Buffalo Bills, was released from the team due to his inability to coach up Rex Ryan's defensive line to generate pressure. I mean, I feel bad because I think they're kind of making him the fall guy here. He's totally the fall guy here, but you knew it had to be pinned on someone. Had to. You don't go from tearing it up one year and then, mm, nope, nothing the next. I'm talking they were in, what, the bottom five of the league in sacks? Bottom three for sacks. The issue with this is why March? Yeah, why wait until March? Why March? March? <laughs> why send him to the combine and then let him come back and fight him? I think that they're so close 
and Rex has had him. Remember, he was with the Jets. So I think that they're so close and Rex really likes the guys around him that he wanted to get him paid as long as possible and to be in the league as long as possible and maybe try and find something for him. But someone had to take the fall for that. I don't know. The, the whole thing just, I mean, I feel bad. And then they brought in another Rex guy, somebody that he worked with yep. at Oklahoma. I think he just he just recycled guys, and to him, he had to pin it on somebody. So I, I can imagine how the conversation goes. Like, listen, Carl, buddy, you know we've been friends for a long time, and you know we've made a lot of money together, and we've been through some stuff, and unfortunately, you didn't do what needed to be done. And when he tries to talk, he just cuts him. Nah, 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 I don't want to talk about who else's fault this might be. The fact is, I'm here with you. And somebody's got to go. I feel yeah. like that. It, it surprises me because I think out of anybody, I thought, I thought Dennis Thurman was the guy to go. The third wheel of our defense. I the Terminator. I ragged on that guy all season. He's useful. He's useless. He's absolutely useless. Because I don't like our D coordinator. Nothing pisses me off more. What's than wrong with Rob Bryan? And he's showing off coverage. You get your ass on the line and you you man up. You bump and run coverage. Right. Come on now. What's he never wrong? did it though. No. What's wrong with Rob Bryan? No. Rob Bryan is now taking over Thurman's job. Which so if anyone was going to get fired, I thought it was going to be Thurman. Yeah, he's the third wheel. <clears throat> he is the third wheel. He didn't do anything. Well, I mean, it is what it is now. The guy's gone. I'll tell you this though. Something huge has just happened. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Craig Urbic has signed with the Miami Dolphins. Thank God. (laughs) It's going to be an even bigger reunion now, I guess, when the Bills face the Dolphins this season. Craig Urbic. Craig, Craig, the definition of mediocre Urbic. The fact that the Miami Sun Sentinel is even talking about him being in the mix for a starting guard position just tells you what a train wreck Miami's offensive line is right now. They're just throwing people in there to try and... I mean, Craig Urbic? Are you kidding me? He's, he's your like, landmark offensive lineman signing for the offseason. He's like the last <laughs> kid who was picked in gym class during dodgeball. I, like his vers- I liked him for his versatility, but again, he's like Doug Ligurski. He's another guy. You can go find five Doug Ligurskis floating around at any given point. The fact that Miami's signing this guy and he's talked about as a possible starter should make Marcel Darius laugh because that's going to be the guy. Darius should hope that Urbic <laughs> is one of the starting guards the so that he can just destroy him. Well, I can tell you right now, I just looked at uh, Craig Urbic's Wikipedia and that is weird that he has his own Wikipedia page. But he does fit the criteria that Miami's looking for in a free agent, which is he is 30 or older. <laughs> That's well true. Played. Dude, they hit free agency hard, as they usually do. They hit free agency hard. They landed Mario. They landed uh, – they they let Vernon go so that they could get Mario. And they got Maxwell. They got Moira Maxwell Kiko. in a trade. They got Kiko. And they got Urbic. Now, what this does, what this says to me is, I think the thing that Miami fundamentally doesn't get, and that their owner doesn't understand, and their GMs, no matter who they seem to bring in, doesn't wrap their head around. You cannot let young talent go and try to replace it with aging veterans. Correct. Because when you do, you are selling your team short. Right. There's a reason that teams like the Patriots, like the Green Bay Packers, like the Steelers, there's a reason the Ravens, there's a reason those teams are always in the playoffs and always in the playoff hunt. It's because they know how to churn a roster. 
And what it is is that you don't ever let a young guy on the upside of his career go to bring in someone who's older than he is at a higher dollar amount. They never do that. When they get older, after they've won a championship or had their run with them, as soon as they're getting older, as soon as they get in there like 31, 32, they always do that. They, they get rid of them. They trade them for a fourth or fifth round pick. They just release them, something like that. And that's the best way to do it because clearly it works. And they just keep plugging in guys with late first round draft picks, second round draft picks, and these guys keep producing. Look at the Patriots. The Patriots traded away Chandler Jones. Okay, everyone's talking about how they're crazy, and I watch this trade, and I think that they again, it's another move by the football machine that is the Patriots. What they know is they have a position of weakness, which is offensive line. They're getting a guy with a lot of upside if he can be coached up properly. They're going to bring him in, and they get a second-round pick. Right. They don't have a first-round pick in this draft. But so now they're with a deep draft for defensive line. They're going to have two more cracks at getting a good edge rusher that could possibly replace him because they knew that they weren't going to pay Chandler Jones what the free market would have given him anyway as a free agent. Right, and now you have two second-round picks. You could turn that into a first-round pick easily. You You can can. do whatever. They they have a million moves they can make now, and they don't have to worry about cap ramifications because he's going to be a rookie. So as long as they do their homework, and if they hit a home run with whatever edge rusher they pick up with their pick there, it's another win for the Patriots. I mean, this that makes is a, me sick. That's the problem with teams like that. They they set the they they set this mold that teams want to be, but very few teams try to follow it. You've got teams like teams like Miami who think that they can just spend their way into into the into a Super Bowl. It doesn't work. It does not work. I would put Miami as a possible winner of the AFC East if this was 2012. I agree with that. I agree with that. That's yeah. That's a good statement. I mean, look what they did. I mean, Mario's going to be back in a four-three defense where all they're going to tell him is, "Hey, uh, go get the quarterback. Put your hand down. Don't worry about anything else. Just go get the quarterback." And if you put him with Sue, there is absolutely <clears throat> no way you are going to double-team a thirty-one-year-old Mario Williams and let Sue go one-on-one. So now Williams, if he's next to him, he's going to get one-on-one all day. Here's what I will say. <laughs> When they're one in three or two in three heading into week six, wheels fall off. Does does Mario actually care enough to play? No. I was on AFC Eastboro's podcast last week and they had asked me about Mario signing in Miami. Mm-hmm. And I said that it was a great fit because Mario likes to take plays off all day mm-hmm. and Miami fans don't like to come to games so, it's, <laughs> so there right. won't be anyone it's, there to see it happen yeah there's <laughs> not gonna be anybody there to see that happen well speaking of free agency we got the Buffalo Bills free agency update now this week you know the Bills signed a pair of free agents to one-year deals the veteran minimum nothing splashy nothing fancy they got tight end Jim Dre and safety Robert Blanton I think those are great pickups, and each one of them in their own way. Well, it is. I mean, I mean you're looking at – look at Dre. Dre played at Stanford. He knows Greg Roman. He knows his offense. They need blockers. Rex Ryan loves a blocking tight end. Mm-hmm. They're going to run the ball. That makes sense. I mean, you got him it. cheap. We had Matt Mulligan last year, and Matt Mulligan was terrible. Horrible. He was awful. We cut him midseason because we were afraid the Ravens were going to steal – our, um, what's his name, Nick O'Leary. Mm-hmm. We thought they were going to steal Nick O'Leary off our practice squad, so we promoted him to the active roster just to protect him 
you know, as a pick and as a guy that they liked. Right. We, we did that. But that speaks to how, even though Rex Ryan likes a blocking tight end, that's how expendable he was. They are, and you got him, like you said, you got Dre for cheap. He's going with a coach that he already knows. And then on that back end, man, Robert Blanton out of Notre Dame, baby. Robert Blanton, I think is probably one of the savviest pickups of this offseason I love so it. far for the Bills. I love it. Fifth round pick out of Notre Dame in 2012. He plays mostly as adept in special teams players, but he started in 2013 and had 106 tackles and a pick. I, he Yes, the defense as a whole for the Vikings struggled that year. They didn't make the playoffs. But he produced. The th- but the thing is, he produced when he was asked to. Yep. And he's a definite upgrade from Bakari Rambo in coverage. Oh my I God. love Bakari Rambo. I'm a guy who's willing to go on record and say that I believe, I mean, you think about it, Bakari Rambo, he didn't get tendered. We lost Ron Brooks, so we, look, we need depth for those types of players who can play cornerback safety anyway. But at the same time, he's got we saw what Rambo was in coverage last year. He got beat. He got beat like a drum sometimes. Rambo's a run stopper. Yeah, I know he had a couple he's nice in, picks. He's a good in the box safety with decent ball skills. But the problem is is that you cannot rely on him that Chiefs game. We right. had no choice but to rely on Bakari Rambo as a starter. And look safety. what happened. And we got torched. You know who the Chiefs throw on? Us. Yeah. They throw on our yeah, defense. Yeah, and that's it. The, well, I think with, when it comes to Bakari Rambo, a lot of fans, he might be oh, taken as overrated, but fans tend to fall in love with him because he picked off Aaron Rodgers twice. Right. Or, well, well, or, yeah. And even the Jet game this year. The Jet game. The we Jet, don't win right. that game without Bakari Rambo. No, so not at all. Is, the, it's not that he's a bad player. You just can't count on him. But you can't count on him if you have injuries and you need a third safety. He's not your third safety. He's like, you know who he, I remind, he reminds me of? And it's just the way, the letdown. I mean, you get so many good plays out of this guy, but then just the letdown was, and it's finally over, and that's Leotis McKelvin. It's gone. Leotis would make a absolutely great play, and then he would have five bad ones, come back with another one, and then up. Oh, Fumbled during the last game. Up, oh, smoked touchdown over his shoulder. I get it. Made some nice picks. Doesn't fly, man. I want consistency. That's what I want. For me, the thing that will always define Leotis McKelvin's career, the thing that will always define his career to me. The penis on the lawn. No. Interestingly enough, it's not even the New England game because that could happen. That type of play. Wait, 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 wait. Which Which New England? My man. Which New England game? Muffed punt twice. It's not even those plays. The play that I will always remember Leotis McKelvin for. Bengals, Bills. We're 3-0. We're just coming off a win against the Patriots. We're going up against the Cincinnati Bengals. In Cincinnati. In Cincinnati. Was there. So, oh, little known fact, Doug actually travels to at least one Bills game a year. Five years in a row now. It's... He's seen a lot of crazy shit. You're almost up to Pinto Run. <laughs> hey, I'm two and two. Tennessee win? Well, <laughs> brutal. Uh, brutal. This, pa- this past year? This past year, Tennessee saw a win versus Cleveland. Loss, which Drew's talking about, mm-hmm. versus Cincinnati. And then the EJ Manuel show in Pittsburgh, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, the domination that- by the Steelers. That had to be awful to watch. He was at the bar with Chris was actually at the I bar think it was our, during the, that I game. Think, I think it was the first Bills, Bills game, game you and I that, ever watched again. That I've watched with you. <laughs> and that had to be brutal for you because the, I was yeah. just screaming profanity. Oh, the, the, best, yeah. the best part of that whole game was the first three minutes when Bird 
Yep. Picked it off, and then we ran it down and only got a field goal from the 20. No big deal. Oh, Thanks, is that guy CJ. still in the league? Oh. Uh, he's, you never know because you never hear his name anymore. He's like a ghost. <laughs> Ate too many oysters in New Orleans. But so the defining moment from the Otis McAlvin will always be in that Cincy game. There was a play. A.J. Green, rookie wide receiver at the time. He's, there, he's going out, and he pulls a double move on Lee Otis. I mean, yeah, it was a good double move. But Leotis actually doesn't know where the hell A.J. Green went and starts to run across the middle of the field. Meanwhile, A.J. Green is running uncovered up the sideline, past the safety, deep touchdown, he's gone. He torches us for a 48-yard touchdown. And I'm left sitting there on the couch going, I don't even know if that guy can read. Because I don't know what he saw or what he was thinking, but that play will always define his career for me. I liked him. He wasn't a bad guy, but he wasn't a great he guy. He wasn't bad, but he wasn't good. And no. I'm sick of having not good players. No. I don't need elite, whatever. I know you're going to get a couple of those guys here and there. <clears throat> I don't need that. I want consistency. That's well, what I want. All I know is Rambo can still be brought back. You know, he, There's no saying he won't be brought back to camp. I'm okay if you bring him back. Why not? I, I would. As a, fourth, as a fourth safety, Rambo would right. be perfect. You don't know mind. what you got with Williams. You don't but know I yet. think that... Between bringing in Dre, who's he's a much better straight line blocker, and you know he's he's a better blocker than Mulligan ever could be. Right. And at the same time, he's caught a couple touchdowns. He's been there. He's used his hands a little bit. He he brings something to the table. I think that the fact that we got both of these guys for the veteran minimum that affects our cap minimally is a it's a smart move. Our GM is looking at things and saying, okay. All these fans out there who are crying about how, oh, our roster's not being paid attention to and Whaley's asleep during free agency. No. Whaley's a GM who knows his team has no cap room to play with this year. All right, so you so got to get no depth po- where you can. So there's no point in bringing in guys for visits that you can't sign. There's no point. So instead, you churn the bottom of the league and you say, hey, who can I drum up who used to be good somewhere or did a good job for a couple years someplace else that I can go out and get? Considering our cap situation, that's where we're going to be, and I've been saying that all offseason. Now, again, a similar move. The Bills are reportedly close to signing wide receiver Leonard Hankerson, formerly of the Titans and Falcons. He was here last year at the end of the year, recorded zero stats. My assumption is he's here for the same reason we brought in Percy Harvin. Okay? They want to try to find a cheap, experienced veteran to line up outside with Sammy. Because right now, all of our wide receivers, Goodwin, I mean, Goodwin and Woods, the two the two guys, you know, Salas, these guys who are currently on the roster, they're slot receivers. That's all they are. You know, look at our depth chart as a whole. Greg Little, Greg Salas, Marquise Goodwin, and Jarrett Boykin, formerly of the Packers. He's a, guy who he's a guy who interests me because people thought he was going to be the heir apparent to uh, – you know, uh, Jordy Nelson, Jordy Nelson, or Randall, Randall Cobb. Cobb. They thought he was going to be the number three. For, he was going to be the three, possibly the two for a while, and then he got replaced by Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. And the, the Packers didn't think he was useful, so they got rid of him. You know who uh, Boykin's uh, college quarterback was? Who? My man, Tyrod Taylor. That's some T-Mobile for you, baby. The theme is obvious. They're going with experience. I was saying this to Doug before we started recording. They're stacking experienced receivers in our system because they don't plan on drafting a receiver. They're trying to win now. So if you're going to try to get some production from the outside wide receiver position... I'd like to say that you can draft a good receiver late. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It the shows. way the way the rules are now, where you it's like basketball, you can't touch them until they catch the ball. You're going to be able to find somebody in the mid to late rounds, i.e., Antonio Brown was what fourth, fifth, fifth. fourth, round fifth pick. round pick. Right. You can find <clears throat> great talent. In the later rounds. No, and you can. And so that's why I think that they're stacking up on guys with experience now. If they take receivers, it'll be late in this draft. Mark my words. I'm willing to bet a 12-pack on it. If we take a wide receiver, it'll be late after the fourth round where they're just developmental prospects. Right. Just find guys. Tweet at us at Rockpile Report to get in on Drew's bet of a 12-pack. And then, speaking of Percy, reports are he may decide he wants to play. How do Bills fans feel about that? As a Bills fan, spending my money on them every single year, (laughs) just like you guys, I don't want him back. He's a head case. Was he productive when he was here and he was healthy? Yes. Yes. I don't want a head case back. I don't want him in the locker room. I don't want in four weeks after we saw him to say, it's raining today. I don't want to play anymore. I don't need that. I don't want it. I'm, I'm... Sadly, of the same frame of mind. I think that once a guy says, hey, I might retire, you're retired. Get out. Don't. If you're not in here, you can't play the game of football. You either have to be in or you're out. And that's the look, look at Mario Williams. That's a thing that's plagued him for forever. He never. I don't want to say never. There's been games. We watched the Carolina game a few years ago here in Buffalo where Mario Williams took over that game because he was in. He was in that football game. Four, four sacks. And he was pressuring all day, kept Cam Newton uncomfortable. We come back and win the football game. Stevie Johnson? Stevie Johnson. Stevie Johnson. So, other di- other games, he just didn't want to be there. He just didn't want to bother playing the game that he was getting paid to play. Which he had that- other shit on his mind, which is fine. That's fine. You're a human being. You have every right to think and feel the way you want to. But then if that's the case, get the hell away from my football team. I want guys who want to do nothing but go out there on the field and dominate while wearing my team's jersey. And if you don't want that, then that's fine. You're entitled to that. Just don't just don't be on my roster when it happens. Right. I just don't want to keep signing guys, <clears throat> and I don't want to keep bringing in guys who don't give us every single thing that they have out there. That's what I want to see. I want to see them every single play trying, going, I don't know that I'm going to get that from this guy. You don't know that. Especially at what he might cost. Because you know he's not taking vet minimum. And that's all I would give him. Yeah. See it, Percy. You know that's, all, you, that's all we have room for is the know, vet minimum. You know how you get everything out of a guy? You draft him. Yeah. You draft him. You draft him and you make Because those are young guys who are hungry. They're fighting for it. Like Green Bay. Look at Green Bay. That's what they do. And I understand mm-hmm. McCarthy wants them to go away from doing that and starting mm-hmm. to spend a free agency. But look at them. You're telling me as a Bills fan... You, you wouldn't, wouldn't want you wouldn't want that. that success. Yeah. Playoffs in every single year. You got a shot every single year. Yes, I know they have Rodgers. I get it. They draft a lot, a lot of guys. Randall Cobb, second round pick. Mm-hmm. Second round pick, Randall Cobb. Well, that brings us into the Bills NFL draft prep. Now, this last week, Doug Whaley and his scouts were off attending pro days. That's not surprising. That's what GMs do. It's what scouts do. Earn your money. But the fact that each of the teams that they were at last week that has a quarterback of note, I mean, that's worth taking a look at. So let's talk about it. First off, Stanford. Whaley himself. Okay, now Whaley had a choice. Stanford or Penn State. He chose to take the trip to Stanford. 
It's already been reported. Buffalo Rumblings has some articles about it. There's been different quotes and things taken from them over it. He went himself down to Stanford to see the pro day for Kevin Hogan. He's been working. Now, the kid has been working on changing his throwing motion ever since the senior bowl in the combine. That was, that's was that been the biggest knock against him, is that they said he looks like Tim Tebow out there trying to throw the football. By every all, by all accounts and everything I read, you know, he was a success. He he had a tighter throwing motion than when he was at the Senior Bowl, than when he was at the Combine. His accuracy was better. He, you know, Mike Mayock, Mike Mayock was praising him up and down from NFL.com about his accuracy, anticipation, arm strength, talking about how he looked like, all of a sudden, a prototypical quarterback. Now, weeks ago, before any of this ever even came out, Doug Whaley went on record to say that he thought that Kevin Hogan might be one of the most pro-ready quarterbacks in the entire draft. But I think he's based, and I think a lot of that comes from people misconstrue that to to mean that they think he means that that guy could step in and play tomorrow. No, no. I think we've all gotten an understanding. I mean, Doug Whaley is spearheading this campaign of we need to have a developmental league because the quarterback position has gotten so weak coming from college to the pros. But when he says a guy looks pro-ready, I think what he means is this is a guy who knows how to take snaps from anywhere. Shotgun, from pistol, from under center. He knows how to command a huddle. He knows how to call plays to the line and knows how to audible if he has to. And he's found success at a high level. Well, here's the thing. He's coming out of Stanford. He played in a pro system at Stanford. That's what he does, okay? He stayed there four years. He's played 2012 through this year, okay? He's a smart kid. He's a big kid. He's 6'4". He's just under 220, okay? He's smart. They said his delivery right now, that's what it's looking like, mm-hmm. is like a Philip Rivers. Mm-hmm. But, again, it shows you he's willing to work on it. Look at the time since he's changed. It's been, what, a month and a half, two months? Let's not forget that he's at Stanford. Who used to be at Stanford? Greg Roman. Similar offense. Yep. Knows his offense could, and I think that's what Doug Whaley means when he says pro-ready. He can he be can, my pro. He can be he can our be pro. pro. He knows the system. Right now, he's being pegged by most draft Knicks as a fifth to seventh round pick in the upcoming draft. In my opinion, if we could land him in the fourth round, I've been praising. You can talk to Chris. You can follow. ask anybody who follows our podcast. I've been talking up Chris Hogan since 2003. Kevin, Kevin Hogan. 2000, Kevin, Kevin Hogan. Hogan. Chris Hogan Chris is Hogan's the guy. other white guy that went to New England. I don't want to talk about him. You drunk? No. But this ought to do it. I meant to say Kevin Hogan, all right? <laughs> and here's the thing with Kevin Hogan, and, and I think this is going to help him. Let's say they do draft him. Let's say they get him in the fourth round. They draft him, okay? He's already played 51 games in his mm-hmm. college career under what Greg Roman runs now. Mm-hmm. And he's had some success. You know, he's almost thrown for 10,000 yards in his career. He's thrown for 75 touchdowns, okay? Only 29 picks. He has 15 rushing touchdowns. The guy can move if he needs to, okay? Biggest thing I like about him, he's almost at 70% completion percentage. The That's kid huge. is smart. See, people knock that, but it's it's a really uh it's a really big deal. It really is. Completion percentage and to run an offense like that. He's got the arm strength. It seems like he's got the smarts to pull it off. I just feel like he could be a good quarterback. But then you can't discount the other guys who are st- there at Stanford's Pro Day. 
Listen, other the the other players of note that I think of when I think of Stanford, Blake Martinez. He's an inside linebacker prospect. People are calling him a second to third round pick. The knock on him before the combine was that he didn't have adequate playing speed. They said he looked faster than he actually was, and on game tape, he wasn't that great. He's only a three-year starter. Right? He posted the best bench press, three-cone drill, and 20-yard shuttle of his entire position group. Okay? Inside linebackers, not that deep this year, but he bested everybody else in those positions. That's worth keeping an eye on. If you can get a guy like him in the second or third round, why not? If he goes where every draft pundit out there thinks he's going to go, he could be a steal as an inside linebacker. I mean, here's the thing. Because he's got good ball skills, and he's made tackles for losses. He's smart. His uh, football IQ is very smart, okay? And as a linebacker, especially in Rex Ryan's system, <clears throat> okay, if he's going to play linebacker for us, for our system, you got to break it down for our system. If he's going to do it, majority of the time in this 3-4 defense, his first read is going to be forward. I don't care how fast he is, anything like that. I want his football IQ off the charts. That's what we need. And like, like you said, he's a strong kid, okay? Cone drill, killed it. He's got football smarts. I like stuff like that. We mm-hmm. need as many players like that as we can. And he's got football speed. Football speed. He yeah. plays differently. That's why he's a three-year starter. In a good conference, by the way. And then we've got this wide receiver, Devin. I don't even know how to pronounce this. I think it's Kajust. Kajust. All I know is I watch those Stanford games because I like Kevin Hogan. So I try to watch Stanford whenever I can. This kid is huge. He's he's a wide receiver, but he basically might as well be a tight end. He's a wide receiver playing at six foot four, two hundred and thirty four pounds. But he ran a great forty, and his run blocking ability is out of control. They call him a like the people who follow the draft and these, uh, you know, Mike Mayock, um, Mel Kiper, Mel Todd Kiper. McShay. These guys they've talked about him being, you know. They talk about him being more of like an H-back type player, like a Chris Cooley, a guy who can get out in space and block, but he's still more athletic than your average tight end. I just think that, you know, the fact that he can run block and also has solid, solid hands, that's been his trademark, solid hands. He's being posted as a fourth to sixth round pick. That's another guy that, you know, later on in the draft, those are guys that you want to get who can maybe make a couple third down completions, who can go out there and run block for your team, who you could put put out there as an extra tight end of the line that defenses have to account for. Those are the type of versatile players that defensive coordinators just hate to put coach against. I never heard of half of these guys. Well, that's because you spend your Saturdays at birthday parties, my friend. Dude, I'm getting divorced. No more birthday parties. I'm on Tinder. I'm on Bumble. I'm on all the dating apps. Ladies, you hear it. Chris Chris is out there. You look well. Come at me, bro. You ready to go? <laughs> look at you. You look good. You look ready to rock. Yeah. How you feel? Like a million bucks. My man. He feels like Ted DiBiase looks most of the time. Ted DiBiase, all about money, the money. Money, 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 money. <laughs> <laughs> Ted DiBiase. And so then a group of Bill Scouts were verified as being on hand for the Penn State Pro Day. And apparently they had specific interest in Christian Hackenberg. Now, by all accounts, that guy tore it up. I watched, I mean, 
<laughs> I watched. You can go on YouTube right now and find it. He threw a 60-yard bomb on point. He's, I think the thing, and he's been working with Jordan Palmer. Last last seen at Buffalo. In bu- little known fact, Jordan Palmer's last time stepping onto a professional football field. I watched him play here in Buffalo against the Detroit Lions. <laughs> Pre preseason game, right? Preseason last, football, last one. So he met with Jordan Palmer. He's been working with him ever since because he bombed the combine. We can all agree on that. But he's been working with Jordan Palmer ever since, and kind of like Hogan, ever since the combine, he stepped it up. He threw some dimes. A lot of accuracy, threw a lot of out routes with with accuracy and velocity that made you know he I think he did enough to make GMs and scouts take another look, even though they've been talking about him as a sixth to seventh round draft pick. It's crazy that he was a first round projection. Yeah, like he was a, a year and a half ago. Well, a year and a half ago, everyone thought he was going to be the next coming of Jesus, and then all of a sudden Carson Wentz took his spot. Well, here's why, and especially in football, and especially at this position at quarterback, he was a true freshman. When he started, okay, true freshman. So obviously, in his first year, he had a decent year, okay. But then here's the problem with Penn State, where he was at, okay. His O line, horrible, horrible. It was like the Patriots' offensive line, just absolutely horrible. He had no standout wide receivers, okay. You got to remember something too. This guy has gone through a lot of changes. He's been at Penn State since 2013. Okay, they've had a lot of coaching turnover, a lot of changes. Bill O'Brien and uh, Franklin, correct? Was he there when uh, Paterno was alive? Yes, he was just he was a freshman. He was a freshman. So it's it's almost like uh, it's because my brother went to Auburn. That kind of seems kind of like Jason Campbell, who had I think four offensive coordinators throughout his collegiate career. Right, and here's what here's what I don't like about him. Two big things to me. What I don't like about him. His overall accuracy, he's not even close to 60%, okay, over his three years starting. So that's like a that's like an EJ manual completion percentage. Which I don't want that. I know the kid is big. I know he's got a big arm. He's got poor accuracy. And again, his touchdown to interception ratio, 48 career touchdowns in college, 30 interceptions. That's not good enough for me. That's not what I want. No. <clears throat> no, but you know what? There's some other guys there. Carl Nassib, he's a good story. He's like fucking Rudy. Love it. Okay. He's a college walk-on. No high school experience, right? No high school experience. College walk-on. Gets to his senior year, then puts up a gross sack total that makes NFL teams take notice. They're like, wow, this kid can actually play football. All I know is I remember getting screwed one year by a defensive end from Penn State. And for that reason alone, I'll root against it no matter what. I don't want anyone from Penn State... Anyone. The okay, guys, Mr. Paul Puzlozny, okay. Mr. Glass. Let's this, break another forearm. This guy is he's got the frame to play defensive end. Okay, he's six foot seven, he's two hundred and seventy-seven pounds. But he's got stiff hips, he's a little bit slow, and he didn't crack the top ten in any of the combine drills that he ran except for the three cone drill. Let me can I ask you a question though? Hmm. Do you put a lot I, I and I understand how the combine is, how it's blowing up and everything like that. Do you really put a lot of stock? Into the combine, you I know play what I mean? real sports. Not trying to be the best at exercising. <laughs> My man Kenny Powers 
right there. I mean, seriously, think about this. It's football. You know what I want to see? I want to see some guy on defense, if I'm going for defense, if he's a defensive back, I want to see him going for the ball. If he's a linebacker, DN, I want to see physicality with him, okay? I understand he's fast, run a 40. I don't care. I want to watch the tape, and I want to see what he does on the field. There's a complete difference between running a 40 and playing at football speed. 100% accurate. It's ridiculous. I mean, they're just putting way too much emphasis on this, the whole combine. I, I don't understand why. Listen, man, pop in the tape. You have three years on most of these kids. Watch them. What did they do versus tough, you know, versus the tough competition? I know you're a huge Drew SEC fan, mm-hmm. okay? What did they do versus teams like that? What did they do versus Bama? You know what I mean? That's yeah. what I want to see. I want to see if they showed up. If they showed up, I don't care if the kid's not fast. I don't care if he can't do a cone drill, okay? Benching, all right, I'll give him that. Benching has been Benching's around since, since Chuck Bednarik ripped his bicep <laughs> in the championship game and had it taped back on and got back in there. That's what I want. I don't want to base it anymore than we have to off of the combine. I'm going to watch the tape. I'm going to see how smart they are, how quick they can react, and that's what I want here. I want smart football players. That's well, what I want. Hopefully that's what the uh, Buffalo Bills are bringing in here because we've got some confirmed visits from draft. Uh, you know, For the draft prep purposes, they're bringing in a handful of guys already, and their visits have been announced. So far, we've got the following. Defensive tackle Sheldon Rankins out of Louisville. Ugh. That's a guy Doug's not a big fan of. Linebacker Reggie Ragland out of Alabama. My man. Roll damn tide. Where you go? And quarterback <laughs> Dak Prescott. Thank you for drinking. Now, the thing I like about Prescott is that, and I know it sounds so bad to say this, but if that DWI presses down his draft stock, it works directly into the hands of the Buffalo Bills. Because if we can get him in the fifth round, that's the steal of all steals. Absolutely. And then you can use a rounders reference for Doug Whaley, that's pay that man his money. <laughs> Love it. All right, everybody. And that brings us to the mock draft roundup. Now, it's the off season. It's boring. There's nothing really going on. So what we're going to do is every, every show, we're going to take a pair of mock drafts. We're going to butt them up against each other. We're going to see who's full of shit, who knows what they're talking about, and who has what pick for the Buffalo Bills that makes me think it might be a good idea. The Buffalo Bills. So That was actually my idea. It and was Chris's idea. I text you. I, I want to give full disclosure. It was Chris's idea. For someone who doesn't know anyone in the draft, it was actually Chris's idea. Chris, you're handling yourself very well right now at your time of need. Oh, I know. Um, I know anybody that I know anybody that's in the is no Nick Marshall was taken last year, <laughs> undrafted out of Auburn. So that he's done. He doesn't know anybody. I don't know. Any, I don't know. Uh, who's the? Did anybody take? Um, is it Chris Davis Jr. who returned the kick against Alabama? He's dead. He's that guy died. He's guy in a died. he's he's in a dumpster. Somewhere. Fell off a bus. Oh well. So I'll just continue to come up with great ideas. That's that's why you're here. You're the idea man. <laughs> you're a knockout in my book, buddy. <laughs> so this week we have Pete Prisco from CBSSports.com versus Bucky Brooks from NFL Network. My man, Bucky. So they start off the draft 
Pete Prisco goes Laramie Tunsil. Love it. Number one overall to the Tennessee Titans. Love the pick. I think it's a smart move considering that their quarterback has gotten his ass kicked. He's their franchise. You need to protect him. Smart you have pick. to have a left tackle. They'll have bookend tackles for the foreseeable future if they make that pick. Then you go to Bookie Brooks with the number one overall pick of safety Jalen Ramsey. Doesn't make sense. Are you out of your mind? Like I said, doesn't make sense for them. You need to protect your number one pick, which (laughs) is Mariota. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Oh, we need to. And his reasoning is they need to find a quarterback of the defense, and that's their top priority with Dick LeBeau intent on building a dominant defense in Tennessee. Eh. What an asshole. So Bucky Brooks in round two decides to go Carson Wentz. Okay. And I will say that in round two, Pete Prisco goes Jared Goff. So they both agree that the biggest draft need for the Browns at the number two pick is to take the the perceived top quarterback on the board. Now we're t- we're talking about pick two. Pick number two. Pick not number two. round two. No, pick no, number two. Pick number two. That's why I'm correcting Drew. God damn it. Cleveland Browns. And this makes sense. Both these guys make sense here just because it's Cleveland. They don't have a quarterback. No more Johnny football. You need someone. And they haven't signed a veteran yet. Can so, you believe Johnny Manziel didn't work out, Doug? Shock. I don't know if you can see Texas this. Texas oil boy. But I'm making my shock face. <laughs> He couldn't do coke and strippers every night, and I got to show up and play? Uh, nah, 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 not for me. So in round three, they get to the Chargers. That would be pick three. Oh, God. You're you are, killing me. You are out of it today. I'm out of it. Yeah, by, by the end of this, the Bills will be, we'll get to the Bills pick in 1981 when they had 19 rounds. So <laughs> with the third overall pick, they Pete Prisco has DeForest Buckner from Oregon pegged as the pick. Meanwhile, Bucky Bucky Brooks has Laramie Tunsil. Can we just pass that because, be I mean, that's just... That's and I'm sorry, but in all honesty, ridiculous. DeForest Buckner is the third pick. I get the logic behind it. The Chargers need help on the D-line. When's the last time you've ever heard of a successful D-end out of Oregon University? So, yeah. Hang on, I'll wait. Oh, and by the way, when we're talking about this, we've already hit Tennessee and San Diego. The top two most sacked quarterbacks last year, Philip Rivers and Marcus Mariota. Yeah, they would be out of their minds to not draft Ronnie Stanley at that pick. Absolutely. Out of their damn minds. That is a general consensus that Tunsil's the best player in the draft. He's probably the best player. And in there's the you don't think there's any situation <clears throat> that'll come in like last year where, uh, what's his face, uh, Leonard Williams just fell to the Jets, yeah. who was the Best prospect. If that happened and the Chargers didn't pick him, their GM should be walked out into the street and shot in the back of the head. You know who I can see that happening with because he didn't have a stellar combine, and that's Joey Bosa. I could see that happening. Well, that's funny you mentioned Joey Bosa because in with the fourth overall pick, Pete Prisco mocks Joey Bosa going to the Cowboys. Not sticking with Randall Gregory there, huh? No, he's, he firmly believes that Joey Bosa will be the pick because Randy Gregory, he's suspended for the first four games. The kid, the kid. Shock. The kid smoked pot right before the combine and claimed he didn't know that he was going to be tested. That right there, Marcus, was an idiot. He fell to the second round, but the Cowboys thought they could get the most out of him. Can Here, I give you a Randy Gregory story real quick? Sure. Just real quick, two seconds. Watching the draft last year with my father-in-law. He gets picked 
Okay? Picked. That's I'm saying that correctly. Picked by the Cowboys. Interviewing him. How does it feel? His response. It feels great to get picked. I love to get picked. Thank you for picked me. That is what he said. This guy's a millionaire. Picked. Well, sick. Bucky Brooks went another direction completely. He found the other side of the ball, and he decided that they would be best off taking Ezekiel Elliott. I love it there. Bring a strong, best offensive line in football. I don't care what anyone says. The Cowboys are the best O-line in football. They've spent years cultivating it. You put a stud running back, like a Todd Gurley-type running back behind them, the sky's the limit. It'll, In all honesty, bringing in the best running back talent available would protect their quarterback more, which means maybe he won't have to worry about fracturing his collarbone every single year. Right. I love the pick. If it's me or it's you and we're the owner of that team, I think we would go somewhere else. But because it's Jerry Jones, he's going to go with the sexy pick. And Ezekiel Elliott is the sexy pick right there. So then Bulky Brooks' next pick. Pick number five, Miles Jack. Smart pick. I like Jack. I was pissed he didn't work out at the combine, but his pro day, eh, he got moving around and teams are, teams, you know, his knee, his knee is the issue. He it's t- not a doubt of talent. It's a doubt of his, him tearing up his knee. And that's where I like him as a player. I get it. I just <clears> don't <throat> think you can go there if you're Jacksonville because he's coming off a knee injury. Okay, yes, he looks like he's going to be fine. Dante Fowler Jr. tore his knee last year. Second day, I believe it was, of training camp. But it can happen to anybody. I understand that, but you can't have, you can't put two top five picks on your team and both of them coming off any injuries. Well, now, unlike Bucky Brooks, (laughs) Pete Prisco made the intelligent pick to put Jalen Ramsey down at the fifth pick overall. Perfect. And he's staying in the state of Florida. That's a perfect fit for him. He gets to stay close to home. They probably would try to move him to corner, but they would put him as a rover. Corner free safety. He'd play the whole deep third of the field. Not even, you know, not even deep half. He could deep be there. Deep corners. He would play everywhere. He could be there. Maybe their Ed Reed. And that's Jacksonville. I mean, with they, an signed Ed Prince, Reed. they signed Prince. They signed Prince One year deal. They signed him to a one year deal. They've done some work on their secondary as of late, but they could use an impact player back there. Yep, and they he really could. And their defense, their offense proved down the stretch last season that they can score points. So they need to build that defense. The BB up. Blake Bortles, Blake Bortles. He was so dude. He he flo- him as quarterback floated my fantasy team to the Super Bowl. Next pick, six overall. Pete Prisco has the Miles Jack going to the Baltimore Ravens. So we're, we're, most of the players we've accounted for have already have already been taken. Bucky Brooks has them taking Joey Bosa. There so these go. are already guys who are being you know accounted for. Now again, we run into a common trend. Pick number seven. Pete Prisco has the San Francisco 49ers taking Carson Wentz. Meanwhile, Bucky Brooks has the San Francisco 49ers taking Jared Goff. So basically what they've done is they've flip-flopped who they think is the best quarterback, but they both identify Cleveland and San Francisco as the two most quarterback-needy teams. Which clearly that means to me San Francisco does not think Kaepernick is going to be their long-term answer. Well, who does? The way they're handling him is terrible. That's horrible. Bucky Brooks thinks at pick number eight, finally, Ronnie Stanley comes off the board. Solid pick for the Eagles. Meanwhile, Prisco thinks that's where Ezekiel Elliott goes. I like that also. I think that they brought, they knew they needed running back help, which is why they brought in both, um, 
Who was it? He just got traded to the Titans. Now I can't think of his name. DeMarco, DeMarco Murray DeMarco and Murray Ryan Matthews. And Ryan Matthews. Right. And now they're both gone. Oh, uh, they're you, both gone. You didn't mention their best running back, in my opinion, right now. Who's on the roster? <clears throat> Bryce Brown. Oh. D. Sproles. D. Sproles. Oh, I was, cl- I was close. D. Sproles. He's a great <laughs> running back, but they need a top flight running back. Right. And that, if he fell to them, would make a killer pick. Solid pick. Prisco has the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Shaq Lawson. That's a good, another good pick. It's a, he's a solid D end. He's not the fastest pass rusher in the world, but he can do both. He can rush the passer and set the edge in the running game. He's one of those thick guys who's going to set the edge. Exactly. He's a big dude who's powerful enough to pass rush, but at the same time, he's, he can also set an edge. Next to Gerald McCoy. That's what they need. Now, pick number nine went almost a similar route. DeForest Buckner. I'm fine. Bucky Brooks thinks that the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to get Buckner out of Oregon. Again, I state, what has a D-end out of Oregon proven in this football league? Next to nothing. For the past decade, they've been irrelevant. He could be the first. Pick number 10, Bucky Brooks, Vernon Hargraves. Best cornerback. The New York The New York Giants got shredded on defense last year in most phases of the game by most of the teams they played. So if any defensive pick, I'll celebrate that. I think that's a good call. Same thing here, Pete Prisco. He takes Darren Lee for the New York Giants, pick number ten. It's a, you know, he's a speedy, you know, he's a small, undersized but fast linebacker. But in a four-three system, I think if his line is keeping him clean and he's not running into offensive linemen, he has a, a, a chance to make a play. I think he was a bad fit earlier in the show. I bagged on somebody for mocking him to the Bills. Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network, has right. some. As the Bills looking at him. You bite your tongue. That guy sucks. So <laughs> he's too small to take on blockers, which means in a 3-4 scheme, he'll it'll never work. Not ever. But I think for the Giants, it's a good pick. Now the Bears, here Prisco has Ronnie, Ronnie Stanley falling all the way to 11 to the Bears. Now that's that would crazy. be perfect for Jay Cutler. Keep him upright. Meanwhile, Bucky Brooks has Shaq Lawson falling to the Chicago Bears. Again, I like it. You're getting a thick defensive end who's perfect. Now, Laquan Treadwell is the pick for Bucky Brooks at number 12 to the, to the, Saint, <laughs> to the Saints. You are welcome, Drew Brees. But I don't see it because, in all honesty, I think Pete Prisco hits the nail on the head. Sean Robinson, defensive tackle out of Alabama. Well, you're the teams, Saints. Teams, teams ran and threw the ball at will against that defense. They were historically one of the worst defenses in the history of the NFL. Sean Robinson's never going to be the guy that gets you sacks, but he is going to stuff the run. Nobody will run on you up the middle if you have Sean Robinson on your defensive line. Correct. Which is what makes him the number 12 overall pick, in my mind. Now, he has Vernon Hargraves falling to the Dolphins at 13, which I don't see. He's the top cornerback in this draft. We talked about that on our last podcast yep. about the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins trading back, I and they the, don't get any of their needs. The Dolphins because you cannot draft somebody at thirteen that's thirty years old. No, you can't do it. <laughs> they dropped back in the draft, and they traded that eight spot. I can see Philly taking Vernon Hargraves. I can see Philly using that pick to take the best cornerback on the board. What does their team need? Why wouldn't you? You just lost Maxwell. They can pick up running backs anywhere. They can go out and get the number one cornerback in the draft at number eight. Can you name me the starting cornerbacks for the Eagles? It's okay. I'll wait. Oh, 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 I got you. Ron Brooks. Whoa. I got you. Ron Brooks. Now, there was a tweet during the end of the season uh, around our Christmas podcast show. 
Somebody had tweeted, and I had retweeted it on our account, at Rockpile Report. Somebody tweeted, I'd rather have Ron Brooks than Stefan Gilmore. That's who, who said that? Who should be put to death? Who said that? I don't I'd have to go back. Obviously, they know what they're talking about. Stefan Gilmore might be a mute, but he shows up on the field, and I love it. When he's healthy. When he's healthy. Don't get me going on <laughs> Stefan Gilmore, please. <laughs> so pick number 14, Mackenzie Alexander, the second best, arguably the second best cornerback, comes off the board to the Raiders. That's not a terrible pick, but at the same time, I don't know that Mackenzie's that good because he he started that game against Alabama, and then after uh, after Ridley broke his ankles, he kind of disappeared and then had nothing to be seen. Right. Now, Bucky Brooks, I kind of glossed over it. Kevin Dodd is the guy he mocked to the Dolphins. I think Kevin Dodd is a guy who, he's an energetic edge defender. He's a, he's a maybe a 4-3 D end, 3-4 outside linebacker type guy. I think it's a bad pick for him there. What I don't understand is if you if that's your position that you just sank a ton of money into in free agency, that's not where you go with your first. No, you pick. can't because I understand Cameron makes thirty four years old and mm-hmm. you just signed Mario Williams. I get that, but again, you have those positions covered right now. And a top fifteen pick in this league, I apologize, a first round pick in this league is starting. So then, pick fourteen, Bucky Brooks has Sheldon Rankins going to the Oakland Raiders. For the Raiders, I love this pick. They have the outside. They have the outside covered. They have the outside covered. You got Mac. You got Irvin on the other side. Or if you want to put them on the on the same side, you need Rankins in the middle for them. I like. Now Pete Prisco comes in at fifteen for the Los Angeles Rams, and he's going to mock Paxton Lynch. I get it. That's that's. They need a quarterback. If you're thinking about it from a standpoint of we are drafting, we're in the city of our future. We're going to draft for the future. We don't care about winning right now. Then Paxton Lynch makes sense. It does because you're getting a prospect who can run. He's big. He's physical. He can throw. Chase but he's Keenum. not ready to start. Chase Keenum. Case. Case. It's Case Keenum. <laughs> it's K- Exactly. I don't even know the guy's first name correctly. Take a quarterback. And they're going to be on Hard Knocks just announced today. That's why you sign RG3. RG3. Stop it. <laughs> Will you stop it? Well, no. How, well, wait. One second. Let's just tackle this for a second. RG, RG3 signs with LA. What does Washington have left from that trade? Washington gained Kirk nothing. Cousins. Was he a part of the trade? Yeah, no. No, no, no. Uh, no. no, no. He was just he was their, their second fourth, round. Because they traded all these picks and then... When last time St. Louis and Washington played, Jeff Fisher threw out everybody that he drafted with the picks from Washington for the uh, coin toss. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, though. Let me ask you a question. If Kirk Cousin gets you into the playoffs every single year, let's just say he gets them into the playoffs. They never win anything, but he gets you like into the, the Bengals. Playoffs. Like right. the Bengals. Like a Dalton. Is it worth it that you have your quarterback for the next 10 years and you gave up everything? In retrospect, you have your quarterback. If it was the Bills... Yes, because that playoff game would probably be a road game in which I would be at a bar watching this man watch football. Love it. He pointed at me. I don't know why he would want to watch me. I'm boring during those games. <laughs> no. We've talked about Drew flipping coffee tables. Flipping co- <laughs> you ever played Madden with the kid? No. Oh, don't pick six him. You'll lose an eye. <laughs> 
I may or may not have broken some things in our old apartment. Uh, so, at pick number 15, Bucky Brooks thinks that they should go Reggie Ragland. My favorite player. He's my favorite linebacker in this draft. Pound it, Drew. Bang. Love it. Well, roll tide. Roll tide. But yeah, I'm a Michigan I think the fact blue. that they did lose Laurinaitis might make people think that this is where they want to go to address that, that hole. And I hope this does not happen. Come on, a couple more picks. <laughs> now, Bucky Brooks, pick number 16, goes with Jack Conklin. The right tackle from the Detroit, you know, from Michigan State for the Detroit Lions. I can see it because I can see them wanting the best tackle for a quarterback who got his ass kicked last year. Now, you don't know this about me, Drew, who's my second favorite NFL he team. He is a Detroit Lions fan. You're wearing a Tigers hat. I am a Lions fan also. Bills first, Bills Lions Super Bowl. I'm going room for Buffalo all day, but I will be there. But the Lions, hey. You got to take this pick here. You got to keep Stafford upright <clears throat> unless you go to Briscoe. Now, Pete Briscoe thinks that the D- Detroit Lions should take Laquan Treadwell. With Megatron retiring, he needs in a, Golden Tate's good, but he's not going to beat double coverage. What do you mean? They signed Jeremy Curley. <laughs> oh. But they also signed Travis Benjamin. And they signed, what's his name, uh, from Cincinnati, uh, Jones. Yeah. So... He's mocking Laquan Treadwell to them, but at the same time, I don't know that that's... I mean, they already... It seems like they went out in free agency and spent some money on that position. What we talked about earlier, here's the thing with this pick. He's coming out of the SEC. He's coming out of tough competition. He's going versus your Bama defense. And the guy put up stats. Yes. So I could see it, but at the same time, I don't think that they would draft there with a number one pick, if a number one overall pick, if they thought that... You know, the, top, the, the only first-round pick they have, I don't think you would go there if you just spent money on three different free agents to come in and fill those spots. Yeah, that does make sense. I think they go to – I think they I stay think they with offense. Tackle. And I, I think, think they, they protect tackle. Stafford. Absolutely. Now, the 17th pick. Prisco has Sheldon Rankins falling all the way down here. Now, he's a violent interior defender who would make sense for the Falcons at this pick. I like it for the Falcons. When you look at Bucky Brooks, he's talking about Darren Lee. I like that pick, too. This, that's where me and you differ. I like Darren Lee. I, I like, like him Darren playing Lee. in that 3-4 defense because here's the thing. He's going to be able to cover a lot, which I like. Whenever somebody says like a, like a smaller linebacker with speed, I immediately think of Aaron Maben, and I don't want them. <laughs> the Mabenator. He's a painter. We should respect that. That guy, that guy. He should move to North Korea. (laughs) Aaron Maven. He should have been forced to move there. All right, so looking at Bucky Brooks' mock draft brings us to pick number 18. He's mocking Taylor Decker to the Indianapolis Colts. Again, Again, it makes sense. This is a team that has failed to establish... Ryan Grigson is probably one of the worst GMs in football. We've right talked ever. about that. We've talked about Ed throughout throughout our entire podcast. Ed's horrible. We've talked about how bad Ryan Grigson is. The guy is horrible. He he got a home run with a quarterback and then failed to build a line. There's no offensive line and there's no defensive line. He took crapshoot first round draft picks all over the place and it blew up in his face. Jerry Hughes trade right now. Go Trent out. Richardson. Right now, go out there. They gave up a first-round pick for Trent Richardson, But folks. somehow he still has a job, it's which means he has to protect it. He can start by drafting this offensive tackle. 
He needs to because uh, last year they drafted a wide receiver. I think he had four catches all year. Now, Pete Prisco, in a similar vein, he's still thinking fighting in the trenches. He has Noah Spence, who has the upside to be one of the best defensive edge rushers in this entire draft. He's a good prospect. The downside on him is that the kid did ecstasy. I'm willing to raise my right hand and say that I've made some mistakes. I've done some things I should preach. But I'm raising my right hand. I've made some mistakes, and that mistake is marriage. (laughs) But I'll say this. I got to hear about this later. (laughs) What I know is that Ryan Grigson has a choice to make. He's got to build his trenches or he will die in them. That's it. And here's the thing. I'm okay with Indianapolis going either way with this just because it makes sense because you're showing up. Blake Bortles, you got to play him twice a year. He had a great year. Mariota. Mariota is going to be coming up. Mm-hmm. And then you sign. you got to play Brock. I don't know what – you don't know what you have with Brock. You don't know. But you know what? If you have three solid quarterbacks that you're going to be playing six times a year, you got to have someone who can get to them. You want someone as a password. Absolutely. So either pick makes sense for the Colts. Understand it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, drum roll please, brings us to the 19th pick, the Buffalo Bills. Now, barring a trade, this is where we'll be getting you – know, we'll, someone's going to have to go to the podium and announce the pick. 19. 19 is a good number for Buffalo. Brian Holzinger, come on, Bills fans, Sabres fans. Yeah. You just dropped Brian Holzinger on our podcast. Uh, Mike Williams. Come on, guys. 19 is a great number. So, <laughs> looking at each of these each of these mocks, this is, what, this is the pinnacle for me. This is the end of the line. We're going to evaluate the 19th pick. To start things off, we have Pete Prisco. He has mocked us taking Robert Kimdichie out of Old Miss. While mentioning his off-field issues, Prisco picks Kimdichie as the first-round pick of the Buffalo Bills. Now, here's what Charles Davis of NFL Network has to say on the subject. But my wild card at that spot, because it is Rex Ryan, and you know he likes bad boys, Daniel Jeremiah, (laughs) Robert Kimdichie from University of Mississippi. A guy that he probably thinks he can get the most out of, can get the consistency that everyone's looking for, and you know his talent is not in question because you can use him all up and down the line of scrimmage, and you see his ability to move, pursue, and hit when he's motivated to play. And Rex always believes he can get anyone motivated to play. I've researched the guy's combine numbers. He's not far off in speed, strength, or size from the DN. We just jetted off our fucking football team. In Mario Williams. He's got the physical tools to be a top 10 talent in this draft, but he's got to find a team willing to trust him in order to be a first round pick at all. Some people have him falling into the second, some people have him drafted as high as us at 19. That seems to be his high watermark. Now, it's worth noting that in Pete Prisco's mock, All of the other impact defensive linemen and linebackers currently slated to be first-round picks are already off the board. So if if things were to break this way, it would make Kim Dietschy probably the most talented player available on the Buffalo Bills draft board. Here's the problem. Is he a good player? Yes. Does he have some character issues? Sure. Of course he does. All right, he's a kid. I get it. I understand it. Here's the problem. Rex Ryan has already said he wants to run a 3-4 defense, okay? If you look at our depth chart right now, we need a pure 
defensive end. He's not. He can line up anywhere. He can do D tackle. He's a big body. I want, if I'm spending it on the D line, I wanted 100% to be a pure pass rusher. I don't think he is. We need that because we're, let's put it this way. You got Jerry Hughes. He's already going to be on the end. You got Darius. He can play anywhere. I would prefer him in the middle because he's huge. And then you can rotate in Kyle Williams. The old man still got it. He's going to have to give blows to him, to Darius, to get in there. And then that other side, I don't think Ndiche's the pick here just because of that. I want a pure defensive end. Um, when you say pure defensive end, do you mean somebody that can drop into coverage? <laughs> Negative Ghost Rider pattern full on that one. If you're a DN in football, I don't care if it's high school, college, and the NFL. 99.9%, I want you either getting the quarterback or holding the edge so no one runs on the outside of you. That's what I want. I don't want to see a DN ever drop into coverage. That was one of our things last year uh, from NFL Network. Nate Burleson had mentioned that we had only blitzed 20% 20% of the time last year. Horrible. He claims that that's not enough. Horrible. That's what I would put on you. That's not enough. I, I wouldn't know. I'm not as into football as you two are. <laughs> I just like to sit here and press record and listen. Here's the thing. Rex wants to be, and Drew, Drew can back this up. Drew listens to Rex all the time. What does he want to be on a defense? He wants to be aggressive. Mm-hmm. He wants to be a bully. I put the quotes up there. Okay. That's what he wants. If that's what you want and that's what you're preaching and that's what you're telling these guys in the locker rush room, the and pre- rush it. Rush the passer. Scare if it's a run, scare stay home. Up. I don't want to see these guys. But you know what I want? But I also want a guy who can move in, come in next to come in next to Darius. I want to see a line of Darius, Kyle Williams, Kim DG, and I want to see them be able to bring pressure and collapse the entire right side of the line. Flush Tom Brady out of a pocket. I want to see him running for his life with Jerry Hughes coming in from the other side. I want to see what he can do with a guy who isn't just an edge rusher, who is a guy who can get between the tackles and bring that A-gap pressure because that's where most quarterbacks struggle with pressure in their face. Not guys coming from the edge. The the best, the top flight quarterbacks in the NFL, your Ben Roethlisberger's, your Tom Brady's, you know, your Russell Wilsons, these guys who have proven that they can be successful. You know what they've all mastered? Stepping up in the pocket. When they feel that edge pressure, they step up. You know what's harder to get away from? You can have mediocre DNs if you are bringing such a force up the middle that the quarterback has to run for his life. If I can get that consistently out of a guy like Kim Dietschy, I will take him all day long. Here's the problem with that. And this is a good problem to have for the Bills. You have two guys that can do that. Kyle Williams is at the end of his rope. I understand that. So let's I get a guy now who could take over. For I get that. I understand it. I'm back you up. They have to make the playoffs this year. They have to make the playoffs this year. Whaley knows that. Ryan knows that. They understand that. I get what you're saying. I understand it. You have two guys that can do that. Ken and DJ, can he pressure the quarterback every down? Can he do that? I know he can hold the end. On the run game, he can do it, especially if him and Manny Lawson are playing that side. He can do it. Can he get pressure consistently on the quarterback when he's beaten one-on-one or double teams? Well, that's going to be the that's going to be the big question. And then the, you have Bucky Brooks. He's mocking defensive tackle out of Alabama, Jaron Reed, 
to the Buffalo Bills. Now, he makes his pick while citing our need for a big disruptive player on the D-line. What do we pay Darius for? Now, he has Kim Dietschy pegged as a first-rounder, but going 29th overall to the Cardinals because he says that their history with Tyron Matthew gives them an edge on that. Oh, no! We suck again! Reed is experienced and comes from a complicated defense, and he's an aggressive interior player who's a mauler in the run game. As a Bama fan, I watched that guy line up against LSU and Leonard Fournette and hold Leonard Fournette to under 50 yards rushing. But that guy has zero pass rush ability. I don't want him. <laughs> that, that makes me question him as a top 20 NFL draft pick. I'm sorry, but you just cannot spend that type of draft capital on a guy who might only be a two-down player. This is a draft that's probably the deepest in in recent history for and at least quality defensive tackles and defensive ends. At least. So I have no choice but to pan this pick. We'd be highly disappointed if this is, in fact, our pick at number 19 come May. You blew it! Here's the thing, man. And again, if this was... If we were playing in a time and watching a time where teams ran the ball, you know, 60 to 70% of the time, I would say load up your interior, go back to the 46 bear, and just force everyone on the outside. We do not need to draft another defensive tackle right now. I'm going to say that again. We do not need to draft another defensive tackle right now. Look at the depth chart. They do not need to waste this pick here on interior. You need outside guys. We we got Darius and Kyle Williams, and it's Corbin Bryant? Correct. Correct. And he was great last year. Okay, so so at the end of everything, we're going to weigh apples for apples. I think out of all the picks that we went over. Who do you want, Drew? This mock draft. Out of the two, I would say Prisco wins this round. Prisco wins this round with a mock draft. I agree. Bucky Brooks, you tried, but it, some of you. I think it started with his first overall. Oh, it started pick. with his first pick, which immediately made him made him skeptic, made me skeptical of all of his picks until he dra- until he drafted Jaron Reed for us. Horrible. I'm an Alabama fan, and I will tell you that I would not be comfortable spending that kind of capital on that type of player. Fool this man! The only. Let me tell you something. The only Bama player I want on my team in Drake the first Patrick. round, negative. His dreads are too long. The only person I want out of Bama on our team in the D. first Milner. round, keep going, D. Milner, the fifth corner on the Jets. <laughs> I want Reggie Ragland at inside linebacker. If we're going to play that 3-4, I want him and Preston Brown up the middle. Go run on us outside all day. Good luck running up the middle if we get him. What do you guys think? Not you, the listeners. What do, what do you guys think? Who do you think we're going to take in this draft? I'll tell you what. Why don't you tell me? Tell us. We're to, we'll talk about it on the next podcast. Email us your thoughts and your questions at uh, rockpilereport716 at gmail.com. Or you can always get at us on Twitter, rockpilereport, you know, at rockpilereport. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. This is Doug Roloski. How we doing? And this has been the Rock Pile Report. Thanks for showing up, everybody. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast.
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.